0: Having not grown up in Tennessee, I don't know if you have the same type of program here or not, but uh, when I was in growing up in West Virginia, when you reached your uh, junior year, they they had a program called Boys State. I don't know if Tennessee has that or not. Um, But uh, Boys State was, they, they would take two boys from each county of the state and they would go to a place for a week and have camp. Um I was one of the guys that was selected to do that. And so I I very anxiously looked and tried to read about what Boy State was. And I got some brochures and pamphlets and so forth and it showed guys playing football. It showed them playing baseball. Uh it just looked there there was a pool there, they were swimming. It looked like a lot of fun. And so I said, sure, I'll go. I'm gonna go to Boys State. Well I went. But what I had envisioned Boy's State being was not what Boy State was. Now, we did get to play a little ball, but maybe an hour a day. What I didn't envision was getting up at 6 a.m. every morning. I didn't envision learning how to uh, make a bed with military corners, square corners, I didn't envision some guy coming along after I made the bed with a quarter and flicking it, and if it didn't bounce, you had to remake your bed. I didn't envision spending two hours a day marching. We learned how to march, uh, just like we were in the military. Um, and there was a bunch of... I didn't envision spending the rest of the day or almost six hours a day in classes learning about government and all that kind of stuff. So uh, I was really, I thought I was going to grow old and die down there before the week was out. Um, I had not envisioned what it really was. And I think that that can be true of church, because I don't think that everybody has the proper vision of church. And I think that it's good for us if we're to know what to expect and what to be and and how to conduct ourselves in this church, we need to, to have some insight. And uh, if you have your Bible, would you go ahead and open it to 1 Corinthians chapter 3? Because we're going to stay there the rest of the, the morning and throughout this lesson. Because Paul does for us exactly what we need. He envisions church for us, he envisions for us what it is to be a part of the body of Christ, the church of Jesus Christ. And I'm thankful for these pictures because it it helped. Well, I mean, why do we have four gospel accounts? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They all give us a different angle on the same story and the perspective broadens my understanding. Why um, speak of those who govern the church as shepherds, as uh, bishops, as uh, bishops, as elders, why why use those terms? Well, again, same thing, but it gives me different perspective of the, the various aspects of their work. And so when it comes to church, well, what is church? Well, to just simply say, What's the body of Christ? Well, that it's more than that. It is the body of Christ, but it's more. And if I were to say, Well, it's just it's the family of God, well, it is that, but it's more than just a family. If I were to say it is um, the army of the Lord, well, it is, but we're not fighting all the time. Uh, you see, there, there are, those are all images, and they help us to envision what the Lord has in mind for the church. And I want us to go through and look at the images that the Apostle Paul gives us in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, because I believe that if I can envision what it is, it'll help me to embrace and fulfill the purpose of the church. Well, here's the first thing. Turn in your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and read with me verses 1 through 4. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but to, as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you're still not able. For you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, division among you, you're, carnal. you're are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? For when one says, I am of Paul and I am of another and I am of Paul, Apollos, are you not carnal? So here's the first way that uh, church is envisioned. It's envisioned as a family. He he, and the the goal of a family is maturity, right? He talks to them and he says, you know what? I wanted to say to you some some spiritual things, some grown up things, but I haven't been able to because you're you're still babes in Christ, and you know you don't feed babies. What you feed adults? That would be foolish. They can't handle it. And so Paul said, uh, you know I, I, I came and I gave you milk because that's what you needed. You were babes in Christ, but. He said, there comes a time when you need to grow up. You need to get older. You need to be able to take spiritual things, spiritual nourishment. And he said, and you haven't grown. That time has come, and you're still in need of milk instead of meat, and that's not a good thing. Because I know from my experience that in a family, children are supposed to grow up. Now today is our youngest daughter, anne Today's her birthday. She's 12 years old today. Hard to believe she's 12 years old. Um, we've had kids, little kids, running around in our house for more than 20 years in, in our families. And we don't have a little kid anymore um, in our family. And we like it that way, actually, no. But... Um, children grow up and if they didn't something would be wrong and you would if, if Anne Marie or if Matthew didn't grow up or, or any of our kids if if they stayed little you would say something's wrong and if you know Anne Marie or Matthew were saying could I have a bottle you know could I could I I'm thirsty could you could you warm me up a bottle or that, that kind of behavior or Uh, where you have to feed them because they won't pick up a fork themselves and and you have to feed them. If that kind of a situation went on in my physical family, I would know, number, number one, I would know something's not right. And number two, I wouldn't wait till tomorrow to go see somebody try to get it figured out. This would be an urgent matter. What's going on? What's wrong? My my children aren't growing. They're not maturing. There's something wrong. And it would be a priority in my life to get it fixed. That's how families work. We understand the progression, the maturity that is supposed to take place. And when we don't see it, we see immediately something's wrong. Well, the church is a family of God. And just like in any family, there are babies, and there are full-grown. And there's a difference between what a baby is and does and what someone who's full-grown does. In fact, he brings out three distinctions. How can we tell that we're maturing or not? Well, look at verse 1. You can tell by what you eat. Are you eating milk? Are you eating food, this is meat? You can tell by what you do. Look at verse 3. Um, are you still doing the things that you shouldn't be doing? Envy, strife, division—you still doing those things? Those are childish things. And you can also see a sign of maturity by the things um, that you say. One says, "I am of Paul," "I am of Apollos," or some other person. Well, as a church, we need to envision a family. Church is a family, and it's okay when I obey the gospel and I become a member of the church. it's okay to be a baby um, we We have babies here, and it's perfectly fine it 's what they're supposed to be, but you're not supposed to be a baby if you've been a Christian for fifteen, twenty, thirty years. You need to grow up those Those characteristics of being a child, like being jealous of one another talking behind one another's backs, envying one another, being divisive and saying, I'm going to follow this guy, and I don't like this guy over here, and and that kind of thing. Those things need to be shed. And if they're not shed, there's something wrong with my spiritual development, and it needs immediate attention because it's not the way it's supposed to work. The Apostle Paul helps us to envision the church by saying, listen, guys, the church is a family, and a goal of a family is to mature, to grow up. And we need to do that as a church. I need to grow up and make sure that I'm maturing. Am I more spiritual, closer to Christ, closer in identity to Him today than I was a year ago? Or have I backslidden? Am I not as close? Those are things we need to ask ourselves. Another thing that the Apostle Paul envisions concerning the church is that the church is a field. In verses 5 through 9, he gives us this. And the goal of any field or any um, garden, so to speak, is fruitfulness. You don't go out and plant things just to look at it. You, you, you want the produce. You want the fruitfulness of it. Look at what he says in verses 5 through 9. "'Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos, "'but ministers through whom you believed, "'as the Lord gave to each one? "'I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. "'So then neither he who plants is anything, "'nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. "'Now he who plants and he who waters are one, "'and each one will receive his own reward "'according to his own labor, "'for we are God's fellow workers.' You are God's field. You are God's building. So he describes the church to a field. Let's envision that for a minute. We've looked at the church as a family and the maturity that needs to develop within that family. But now Paul says, okay, I've done this illustration. Let me give you another one. The church is a field. And it doesn't matter who does what in this field. How many people, how many times have you seen the church split over personalities? This guy or that guy? And they, they, they have some kind of a conflict, and people will pull off after him, and people will pull off after him, and, and they'll have allegiances to people rather than an allegiance to God. Don't ever be a part of that. Don't, don't let yourself be drugged into that. That's not, Paul said, listen, Apollos, he's, he's my, he's my co worker. We work together. Don't don't try to pit me against Apollos or Apollos against me because we're on the same team. And yeah, I planted. I'm the one who planted the seed. But Apollos has come behind me and he's watered that seed. And both jobs are necessary. We're not competitors. A church is like a field where everybody works to the same end. It doesn't matter who waters. It doesn't matter who plants. It doesn't matter who weeds. It doesn't matter who hoes. It doesn't matter who... None of that. All that stuff needs to be done, but it doesn't matter who does it, who gets the credit. Everybody is needed and everybody is necessary. Bearing fruit is the goal. That's what we need to be about. A couple of weeks ago, well, maybe it's been more a month ago or so, Um, we had a lesson on bearing fruit. And it's much broader than what we might have typically thought. It's more than just replicating ourselves. We bear fruit in many ways. Let's get busy bearing fruit. We're God's field. And the purpose of any field that is plowed up and planted and watered is to bear fruit. And that's what God wants us to be about. I don't know what it is that you're good at what you can do that is useful to God and His kingdom to influence other people. But whatever it is, do it. Use it. Because we need to be productive. Because that's the envisioning that the Apostle Paul gives me. All right, well, let's look at a third thing that the Apostle Paul gives. And that is the church is a building. Well, he's just jumping, isn't he? from one thing to another. He starts out with a family and maturity and babies and growing up, and then he jumps to a field. You're a field, and it doesn't matter who plants and waters. And now he just switches gears and says, no, no, not a field, a building. He's not undoing what he said about it being a field, but he's adding, let me give you another aspect. We're, we're a building. Look at what he says in verses 9 beginning. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, you are God's building. According to the grace of God, which was given me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. And if anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he'll receive a reward. But if anyone's work is burned, he will yet suffer loss, but he himself will be saved yet as through fire. Um, so again, here's this illustration of a building. No, wait. The church is a building, Paul says. And he says, I am a wise master builder, and I have have laid the foundation. And by the way, the foundation, he says, is Jesus Christ. And so Paul begins to build on the foundation of Christ. and, And everyone else that pitches in, they continue to build on that foundation. And listen, if you get off of the foundation, you've got a mess. You have to stay on the foundation. When Kim and I first got married, we moved to a a place, Nitro, West Virginia, and um, the man that lived directly across the street, believe it or not, his name was Higginbotham. He was our next-door neighbor. Uh, You'd think we were the only Higginbothams in the world, but um, anyway, the man who lived right across the street from us was a man by the name of Higginbotham, and he began to become a little disoriented as time went on, And, and one night he had... Turned on all the gas in his house, and uh, the pilot lights were out, but he had all the gas on, and that built up in his house, and there was a huge explosion, and here's what happened. The, The house sitting on the foundation was lifted up and moved over about 18 inches and dropped. It stayed together. It didn't just explode out. It just lifted the house over and set it down about 18 inches off to the side. When that house left its foundation, nothing worked. You couldn't open a door in that house. Everything is skewed. It, you, it, it was jammed tight. You couldn't raise a window that the man couldn't get out of his house because everything was amiss because it was no longer on the foundation. When we try to build, regardless of what our motives are, if we're not building on the foundation of Jesus Christ and by his authority, we're creating something that is a mess. It's a miss. And it's not going to function. Paul says, I want you to be builders, and I want you to build on the foundation of Christ, and I want you to take care how you build. You see... What I do in trying to build up the body of Christ, I don't want it to be here today, gone tomorrow. Do you? If you go out and try to reach somebody with a gospel and you, you teach them, do you want to just do enough to get them in and then not worry about tomorrow? Or do you want to see to it that they prosper and that they're here 30 years from now? Paul said, we, we all need to build. Build on the foundation of Jesus Christ And make sure that the building that you do, the work that you do is of substance so that when they're tried by fire, times of persecution and whatever else may come along, that those, our works don't just dissolve away. They're not burned up, but that they remain. So... You know, that helps me to envision, okay, God wants me to work and to help build up His church. And and the work that I do shouldn't be half-hearted. It shouldn't be halfway done. It should be done with quality. And that's the goal of building, isn't it? You do it right. You build with quality. Halfway, you know, we don't do halfway in our own homes, do we? Why would we do halfway when it comes to the, the church of Jesus Christ. It demands our best, our very best efforts. And then finally, he uses one more illustration, envisions one more thing, and that is the church as a temple. And the goal of a temple is, of course, holiness. Look at what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 16 through 17. Do you not know that you are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwells in you. If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him, for the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. So in this section of Scripture, he's given us four ways to envision the church. He says, think of it as a family. You start out as a baby and you grow up and and that can be identified and that growth and maturity can be identified by the things that you eat, by the things that you say, by the things that you you do. That that that's one way to see that you're growing, grow up in the body of Christ. Also, the the church can be envisioned as a field. You know, you go out there and you work in this field and and you you bring forth fruits, bear fruits. Well, And the church can also be viewed as a building. Jesus Christ is the foundation. Start building on that foundation and do quality work. Do your best effort so that when difficult times come, it doesn't collapse. It continues to stand. Wouldn't you like to know, I mean, the church at Ephesus, where is the church? Is there a church in Ephesus anymore? Is there a church in all these places in the Bible that we read of? There were churches there. Are they still there today? If not, why not? They didn't stand. They they fell by the wayside. I would like to know that long after we're all dead and gone, there's still a church in Carnes. People serving God because of the work that we did was quality and it lasted. And when difficult times come, it doesn't crumble. It, it remains because we've built well on the foundation of Jesus Christ. And then he says, and the church is a temple. We need to be holy people. When we fail to live holy lives, we destroy the church. People look at us and they judge the church, by us. They judge Jesus, God, by us. And when they see unholy, ungodly, immoral living in us, they attribute it to the whole, to the body of Christ as a whole. God's name was blasphemed among the Gentiles, Romans chapter 2, because the Jews who were the children of God were living unholy lives. God is serious about holiness. We need to get serious about holiness. Quit taking or thinking you can take or we can take the blessings of Christ without making the sacrifice demanded to be holy. God is holy. And if we seek to see him someday, we too must be holy. God takes holiness seriously. So ought we. If there are things in my life that aren't what they ought to be, I need to try to fix that because I'm a temple of God. I need to be holy. It's unthinkable that God would dwell in an unholy temple. It's unfitting. What about your life? What about my life? Are we such that God can dwell in us? Do you think God will dwell in us if we're unholy, if we don't give attention to those marks of purity and holiness that, that he expects from us. Envisioning church. We need to do some of that. The Apostle Paul helped us out tremendously when he wrote by inspiration, First Corinthians chapter three, because he just in rapid fire succession said, This whole church thing, let me tell you what it's like. It's it's like a family, it's like a field, it's like a building, well it's like a temple. If I can envision all those things, then it gives me areas of emphasis and work that I need to do in my own life. I need to grow up. I need to be productive. I need to do quality work. I need to be holy. Those things will help me to fulfill the purpose that God has for me in the church. Do you have an adequate vision for what church is supposed to be? See, don't go away here this morning thinking, as some do, and you see it all the time church, that's that place that's supposed to help me with whatever problem I have. Well, yeah, you can say church is a hospital. I'm okay with that. There's a lot of truth in that. But it's more than just what does the church give me, it's what can I give the church. When you go looking for a place and, and people are looking for a place to settle and to worship and to work in the body of Christ, oftentimes they say, well, what can that place or what can this place do for me? And And that's where we're going to, you know, the one that can meet my needs the most, that's where we're going to settle. What about, what can I do for them? And how useful will I be to that body of people? It's a different perspective, but valid nonetheless. Do you have an adequate vision of what the church should be and what that means for your life? Listen, if you're not yet a part of the body of Christ, if you're not yet a part of the church, the fact that you're here today says you're interested, you're interested in the church, you wouldn't be here. But why stand on the outside and look interested with what's going on in the inside and not partake in the blessings that come by being A part of God's family. If you're not yet a child of God, if you've not yet given yourself and made the commitment to be a part of God's church, why don't you make that decision this morning? If you need to be baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and that baptism places you into the body of Christ, if you haven't done that yet, why don't you do that? We'll assist you in that this morning. Don't look on from the outside any longer. The fact that you're here means you're interested. Go ahead and take the step and make the commitment and be a disciple of Jesus. If you're a child of God already but unfaithful and you need to re-envision church, what it means to be a part of that church, and live up to the obligations, the responsibilities that we have, um, recommit yourself to that. And if we can pray for you, we invite you to come as we stand together and sing.